This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. St. Augustine of Hippo, the bishop and theologian whose life spanned the third and fourth centuries, wrote, God had one son on earth without sin, but never one without suffering. Today, we walk alongside Jesus in his suffering. We keep vigil with our Lord. The invitation of Good Friday is to keep our eyes open, not turn away, not disconnect. Rather, together, we remember our Lord's suffering. Henry Nouwen, the Dutch theologian, wrote, our efforts to disconnect ourselves from our own suffering end up disconnecting our suffering with God's suffering for us. The way out of our loss and hurt is in and through. So today, we walk in and through. We hold our fears, our hurts, our sufferings, our shattered dreams, and our disappointments before the cross of Christ as we journey with him through his passion. The way out of all of our losses and hurts is in and through his. This means we choose to pay attention. Pay attention to the Good Friday scene that unfolds before us. Look. See the large, angry, bloodthirsty, and frenzied crowd hounding Jesus. They hurl taunts and jeers, tormenting and mocking him all the way to the place of the skull. See Jesus as he labors to haul the heavy cross along the dusty, rocky, uphill path. His body bloodied, having been whipped and beaten, his face swollen, covered with sweat and blood as the crown of thorns digs into his head. The noise of the crowd is deafening as rioters spew venom. In the distance, see the soldiers at the top of the hill. They shout directions to dig holes for the crosses. Here is where the condemned will be crucified. Turn again to the riotous crowd. There's a small group, mainly women, that's markedly different. The faces of the mob are contorted with rage, but these faces are drawn, tear-stained, tear-stained and sorrowful. These are the faces of Jesus' friends, friends who have followed him throughout his ministry, friends who follow him now, friends who remain loyal. These friends refuse to be disconnected. Notice the two criminals on their crosses. Now look at Jesus. He's hanging on the hardwood of the cross. Read the inscription over his head. 
Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Become aware of the four soldiers who crucified him. See their backs as they walk away with their spoils, each with an article of our Lord's clothing tucked under his arm. As the taunting crowds and rough Roman soldiers fade into the background, focus with me on the small cluster standing by the cross. A group of just five, four women, one man. They cling to one another, some weeping or wailing, some suffering in silent agony, all utterly crushed. St. John tells us those standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. These true disciples stood by Jesus when others fled. At great risk, they banded together, bearing witness to their devotion to Jesus. They kept vigil. Vigil comes from the Latin root meaning wakefulness, a purposeful sleeplessness, an occasion for devotion. A vigil is a period of time when a person or group stays in a place and quietly waits, prays, typically, but not always, at night. But there's more to keeping vigil. The author Ruth Haley Barton explains Keeping vigil is an act of love and friendship with Christ. It's the gift of being present during the hardest and most unnerving part of his journey. A vigil is the gift of ourselves, which is the truest gift we have to give. Have you ever kept vigil? I know mothers who have stayed up all night pacing the floor holding and praying for their fevered child. I know parents and grandparents who have sunk to their knees in prayer, interceding for their children, suffering mental illness, addiction, and all manner of affliction. Personally, I have had family and friends sit by my hospital bed, keeping vigil, keeping watch, because they knew that was the only way I would sleep. And like some of you, I've held the hand of those dying. Henry Nouwen rightly observed, a friend who can be silent with us in a moment of despair or confusion, who can stay with us in an hour of grief and bereavement, who can tolerate not knowing not, he- not healing, not curing, that is a friend who cares. Keeping vigil is an act of love and friendship. Yet keeping vigil in the traditional sense of being with another in their hour of need is not always possible in this present pandemic. Today, only the ill are admitted to hospitals. Family and friends are not allowed. Skilled nursing facilities bar all but essential staff. Same with care homes. 
but that doesn't mean we cannot hold vigil. Across the world, people take time to pray. People find ways to cheer and applaud healthcare workers. We light candles in our homes and remember in prayer those who are alone, ill, dying. It is because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that our prayers have meaning. Because of the cross, no one ever need be alone. Keeping vigil is an act of love and friendship. I wonder, during that first Good Friday vigil, did Mary, the mother of Jesus, recall the words of Simeon? As a young mother, Simeon prophesied these words to her. Behold, this child is appointed to cause the rise and fall of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your soul as well. The actions of the crowd that Good Friday revealed their hearts. So too, the actions of Jesus revealed his heart. Jesus did not forget or abandon others in their time of need. Jesus did not forget those who put him to death. Rather, he prayed for his executioners, asking the Father to forgive them. Jesus did not forget the condemned. Rather, for the thief who asked to be remembered, he promised entrance to paradise. And Jesus did not forget his family and friends. Rather, he manifested his love and care by creating a new community. St. John writes, When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. And then to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. Biblical scholar Rod Whitaker observes that the language that Jesus uses is similar to that which is used in betrothal. When Jesus says, woman, this is your son, and to John, here is your mother, a new family is created. Whitaker writes, In changing the relationship Mary and John have to one another, Jesus is completing the formation of the community gathered around him, gathered around him precisely as he is on the cross. The new community is now seen to be the new family. How can that possibly be? In the midst of the greatest scene of desolation and isolation, Jesus makes provision for his faithful disciples. He makes them family. His family. His community. This union hints at the new community of the Bride of Christ, the Church. On the cross, Jesus binds his friends together. His action foreshadows the day when the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all who believe. But his grieving friends don't see this. How can they? All they see is pain and sorrow. 
On the cross, Jesus called forth a new community, so no one need be alone. Not you, not me, not one.